Namaste and welcome to the Holistic Pioneers Maiden to Mother podcast. This is a safe space to talk about issues affecting everyday families as we dive into the healing of lineage and generational trauma, talk all things divine health, conscious parenting and relationships. Are you ready to laugh together, cry together and grow together? Then join me, Solana Usha, for today's epic episode. Namaste and welcome back to the Holistic Pioneer Maiden to Mother podcast. My name is Solana Usha and I am so grateful to be stepping through this magical journey of self-discovery and divine holistic health with you. On today's epic hump day journey of divine health and well-being, I am sitting here with one of my closest friends, Kaylee. I met Kaylee around two years ago at our local playgroup. <laughs> we both have daughters a couple of months apart in age and they're both named Aurora. <laughs> she is a fellow Capricorn that was also married to a very fiery Leo and quickly became one of my closest confidants in our very small town. I will let her introduce herself and give us a bit of a background story of her journey. So, hey beautiful. Hi. <laughs> Alrighty, so... Introducing myself, I I also attend Solana's Women's Circle, so I do know <laughs> that I'm not meant to introduce myself with labels because labels are not me. Uh, but go for it. <laughs> but I am a mum of two, and yes, mum is a label, but it is a huge part of me. So I will always introduce myself as a mum of two girls. Uh, Aurora, she's two, as Solana has just said, and I also have a huge gap between them and have all the dealings and goings-on of a 14-year, nearly 15-year-old. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Not that you're an old mum now, <laughs> but you're a young mum when well, you had a teenager. <laughs> well, my 14-year-old would very much beg to differ. Um, <laughs> according to her, I'm very ancient, um, but... Yeah, yeah, I don't think I am. I think I'm one of the cool mum. I'm not an ordinary mum. <laughs> okay, so at what age did you become a parent? Okay, so um, I had my eldest, Jaslyn, at 22. So I fell pregnant at 21. Um, yeah, and had her at 22. Big difference between being 22 and... A huge, in your huge. Um, even... The pregnancies were so different um, and the journeys were so different and the maturity um, and what you sort of know what to expect the second time around as well and you have a little bit more patience than what you do at 22. 22, you're still a baby really yourself and you're still trying to learn and um, yeah, you're still trying to learn and go through that journey of, of just coming out of being a baby yourself. So it's, it's yeah. parenting between the two is very different. And we love Jaslyn. She's such a beautiful teenager. She is. But was that pregnancy planned? Okay, so um, <clears throat> Jaslyn's father and I had been together for probably about two years. So we got together when I was about 20. Um, and we had discussed maybe the thought of having a child. Um, and then our relationship, well, our relationship was always quite turbulent. Yeah. Is a nice way of putting yeah. it. Um <laughs> Yeah, but 
we were quite rocky and we actually had separated. So when you found out, well, when it happened, (laughs) (laughs) Um, he was, he was, it happened. We had a tendency to drift back together and yeah. And yeah, we actually found out that I was pregnant when we were on a, we were living apart. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like a one night stand sort of thing. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, that, that pregnancy and that birth and that whole journey with Jasmine was quite rocky. Um, yeah. Did you have a lot of support back then? No, no. Um, not at all. Um, I did have my grandma there she, and my mum. They would help me a little bit, but they obviously had their own stuff going on. Yeah. And I didn't have the friendships that I had now. Um, and, yeah, and... Me and Jaslyn's father, or Jaslyn's father and I, um, <laughs> proper grammar, um, were, yeah, as I said, quite turbulent, um, very, very different personalities, but very, very, especially being young girls, very fiery, whereas now I'm a little bit more chill and laid back, so. And there's about a 12-year age gap between, between the, the two. two. Yeah. So how did that affect, like, how did Aurora come into play? Okay. So, um, when Jaslyn was one, I found my, well, Ben, um, we were together for, uh, 13 years all up, <clears throat> um, married for, well, 2014, we got married. Um, and we've recently separated in May last year, but we were together for 13 years. Um, we were told that we couldn't have children together. Um, I have PCOS, Hashimoto's, um, so a lot and suspected, um, endometriosis. So, um, yeah, we were told that even for me to carry a child to full term was very unlikely. Um, and we had, a few losses in between so all up I've had um six miscarriages um but yeah I with Aurora we'd moved we'd recently we'd moved down to Tasmania from our hometown up here um and I still remember one of the girls that I was with she went through menopause at 32 oh wow and um I was standing there I was working in the RSL at the time and um I was standing there in the gaming area and I'm I'm like my boobs are so sore. <laughs> Did you go? Because I was convinced I was going through menopause. And I'm like, were your boobs sore when you went through menopause? And she's like, no. Are you sure you're not pregnant? I'm like, no, definitely not. Like, I can't have children. Like, definitely yeah. not pregnant. Turns out I definitely was pregnant. Um, <laughs> so FYI, yep, yep. Um, Little miracle child. Yep. Um, okay, so how did you... How did the two pregnancies compare? Because you said they were really different. Yeah. So the first one, um, through my whole pregnancy, I didn't have support. I had um, uh, hypermesis. Help me out with the word. The one where you vomit like the whole time, like, and I was (laughs) morning sickness the whole time. It was like it was like morning sickness on steroids. So um, I started my pregnancy at. 65 about 60 kilos I think with Jaslyn and um within the first three months I was down to 45 kilos oh okay because I just couldn't keep anything down um I had to go in hospital on a drip a few times like it was horrible um so I had that and with that I didn't have any support like Jaslyn's father he would come home from the pub where he was a lot of the time um and he'd come home and he'd be like well my friend's um my friend's 
partners don't do this you're putting it on you're you know okay. and wouldn't yeah yeah so uh, quite often I was told that I was carrying on that you know so I didn't have that support through the the labor I mean through the pregnancy then that came to labor now was he there for the right pregnancy? so we yeah. so we're getting there so halfway through the pregnancy we decided we're having a baby we're going to try and move back in together we're going to try and work it out yeah. like we need to do this for the baby really bad decision um <laughs> but so th when I went into labor he actually got really drunk that night and oh, no. yeah so I couldn't wake him up when I went into labor I was having um I think about six minutes apart my contractions um and yeah I couldn't wake him up he was he was literally out cold drunk out cold so I got in the car and drove out to my mum's and my grand's they lived on the same property yeah. and we started timing the contractions and they were six minutes apart and um we rang the hospital at that stage I was planning to birth um in Cairns which is approximately two hours from where I live yeah um and they said you need to come up straight away um you're too far away that if the contractions are that you, we don't want you birthing on the side of the road yeah um so I still couldn't get hold of him was ringing him ringing ringing out so I actually had to ring his mum his mum had to physically go around there and get him and did he make it in time he he ended up driving me up and my mum and oh, that followed God. it behind us but the whole time we argued the whole yeah. time he yeah it was it was pretty bad we got up there and I still was only one centimeter dilated oh, um oh, all wow. the way up there so we they said go to a motel room now there's a motel in Cairns that's a prostitute's motel that's known as a prostitute that's where he booked us into for oh. the night <laughs> so Oh, no. I was literally in labor <laughs> in a prostitute's motel with people going in and out through the room. So, oh. yeah, that was a, a really good experience for me. At least you've not forgotten it. Like no, it's definitely a story to tell. It's definitely memorable. <laughs> if, um, if that said anything about Jaslyn, like, it doesn't at all. She's the no. complete opposite. She is amazing. She's <laughs> such a good, well-balanced so kid. so like, quiet and... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. And did you have any issues? So you mentioned that you had been told that you couldn't have any more kids. Yeah. Um, that was due to Hashimoto's, PCOS and endometriosis. And also my ex... Well, my ex-partner, he or ex-husband, he... Um, had a low sperm count as okay. well. So between yeah. the two of us, yeah. Yeah. Um, so how was the pregnancy overall, I guess once you got over the surprise of being pregnant for starters, how did, how did that play out? So um, with Aurora, she um, – I had a lot of um, complications with my pregnancy with her – but the actual experience, that's the one thing that I will give my ex-husband. Um, we don't always get along and we don't always see eye to eye, but he was absolutely amazing with my pregnancy. Um, he did everything for me. Like, he was really, really, really good. And I will yeah. never, ever, ever take that away from him. Um, I had uh, gestational diabetes when okay. I was with her. Yeah. Um, I had, which I had to watch what I ate. So he actually learnt and would cook things that would, like... Sort oh of, wow! Yeah. So yeah. he was actually he cooked every night for me because I I was the only he has a bad back 
Um, so he's waiting on back surgery. So he couldn't work. So I was the main breadwinner winner when I was pregnant. Yep. So I had to go to work. But in turn, he would then pretty much look after everything at home. So he would um, make sure that all the washing was done, the cooking was done, clean. He'd bring me in. When I had to work the night shifts at the RSL in the gaming room, it was quite often a late night. So he and I'd start quite early. So he would actually um, bring me in dinner every night. Um, if I needed anything, he wouldn't actually let me drive at one point because I um, had a couple of incidents of preterm labor. Yeah. Um, what it was was that I was picking up a thousand dollars worth of gold coins, um, that, and I'd do that every fifteen minutes. But because I was so big and had like yeah, so I was actually putting myself into like a preterm labor straining. and yeah and straining, and I actually got rushed to hospital quite a few times. Yeah. And um, living in Tasmania. Um, we were on the east coast, so it was you know about a two and a half hour drive to the lo- like to the hospital that could do. No way you live is close to a hospital, no. is it? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they would, you'd have to fly and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so I had a lot of complications. Um, I had um, I can't I can't think the name of it, but it's the condition at the end of your pregnancy where um, you get really itchy and have to go on. Yeah. Oh, okay. we'll have I can't, to yeah, I can't think of the exact name of it, but it can yeah. be um, very scary because you can have stillborn babies and um, things on that. So there was a lot of stress in the final pregnant in the last pregnancy, but it was so much easier than the first because I felt I had that support network. Yeah. So makes a huge difference, doesn't a it? Massive, massive difference. So at what stage did you stop working? Uh so I wanted to go through to about thirty six weeks. I am one that will always try and push myself as far as I can. Unfortunately the doctors said that at twenty nine weeks that was it. I was done. I'm not allowed to work anymore. Um I think they were just sick of me coming in with preterm labor from my job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um yeah at at, at, at and it was a little bit hard because I hadn't didn't have that financial um, security around me because I was the breadwinner, um, and we weren't planning on me being pregnant, so we didn't have you know um, that nest egg that I would have had it been a planned pregnancy. Were you working during your first pregnancy with Jaslyn? Yes, yep. um, I was, um, but. It was a lot easier back then. Um, there was a lot more support um, for single mums and stuff like that back then. Whereas this one, I found really hard to get into Centrelink and to get into um, like to get on Centrelink and stuff. Being yeah. pregnant, yeah. So I'm really grateful. I got a little bit of financial support from my pop until I got on there, and I will be forever grateful for that. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. So having that support during your pregnancy makes a huge difference, huge, doesn't it? Huge difference. Like even the birth, like the births were so different as well. Like, okay, so your birthing situation for mm-hmm. each. Yep. Natural. Um, so both were natural. Yep. Um, okay. I, the first one I went in with rose-colored glasses. So the first <laughs> one I went in and, and I was like, I'm doing it all natural. I'm not going to have any medication at all. Yeah. Um, I'm doing all, um, you know, aromatherapy and I'm going to have a water birth and it's going to be amazing and a fabulous <laughs> time. And it was 29 hours. So the first one was 29 hours. At 24 hours into it, I was 
that's it. I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> give me an epidural. Give me like that was active birth. That 29. was well. Active birth um, was 18 hours, 18, but 29 oh, wow. hours from the time that I was at that hospital. Yeah, uh, 29 hours all up. So active active birth was eight. Um, yeah, 18 hours. I was pushing for three and a half. No, three hours with her. Yeah, on that first one, they wanted to give me a cesarean, but I was silly and didn't want to destroy my body which anyone that's had a baby is going to laugh at me because I was very naive I thought I was going to have this perfect body back like I used to like you know my mum is one of those really weird body yeah my mum's one of those really really weird people that have that were a size six and they gave birth and then put on their size six jeans the next day because they just so I just thought you know because it's in my jeans that is totally what I was gonna do and I laugh so hard at it now because it was so unrealistic. That expectation was so unrealistic. Um, but yeah, so I had, um, we ended up with a vacuum suction delivery. Okay. Um, because she was stuck and the vacuum come off the head and she went back up in again. <laughs> and then I had to do it all again. Oh no. And I still remember with the knees together, putting the knees together and being like, I don't want to do this anymore. That's it. I'm done. And I still remember the doctor saying, I think it's a bit late for that now. <laughs> um, but the experience, like I had, I went through three shifts of midwives and the first two midwives in that were perfect. That was so amazing. Then I got the last midwife and the last one I did not gel with at all. And um, I had, so I had my grandma, my mum, and my ex in the room at the same time yep. giving birth. Um, this is pre-COVID, this is, guys. I was about to say, this is 14 years ago. So this is like back then. Um and my grandma actually had to walk out because she was so angry at this midwife. This midwife turned around to me and her exact words were, what sort of a mother are you going to be if you can't even get this baby out of you? Oh, wow. So that's what I said. I had a really, really horrible birthing experience the first time. Mm -hmm. It was traumatic for me. Um, I tore and I tore quite well. Um, yeah. <laughs> if I do something, I like to do it well, apparently. <laughs> Um, so I ended up with like a continuous stitch from, from her. Yeah. Um, so after all that, um, I think it took about eight weeks for me to sit properly. So guys, if you do end up having, um, a tear and stitches, just, I don't know. Do you want to back me up on this? Don't look down. <laughs> give yourself time to heal. Don't look. And I'll also give you a tip too. No one tells you this. No one actually tells you this with your birthing experience. If you tear, don't try and pee on the toilet. You need to go into the shower, let that water yes. run, run down there uh, and dilute it a bit. Because it, it stings so badly. So badly. No one told me that. It's a tip that I tell to every mother. I, I love that because <laughs> there's so many things we don't get told no. when we're pregnant. It's all about how blissful it is having a newborn. <laughs> and when you become a mum of a newborn, everyone forgets that you've just gone through the most traumatic experience, experience. your body could possibly survive through. Yeah. Like they compare the pain of being in a car crash. Yep. Um, or worse, worse than being in a car crash. <laughs> or even the humiliation of it too. Like people don't get like, yeah, it's all great. It's you just spat out some, this watermelon out of your <laughs> vagina. And then you, the worst part is the humiliation of having to carry around a donut to sit on because she literally <laughs> can't sit on it. So I went out for dinner um, just after I had my eldest and um, I went to a friend's place. We were quite good friends at the time. Um, 
and they invited us around and so I had two problems. I had to firstly take my donut to sit on, which was so embarrassing and mortifying, but I was really lucky because they were really supportive friends and that was really good. <laughs> then I had to ask to use their shower so I could pee. <laughs> because the stitches were so bad, I couldn't pee. And this is like two days after birth. Like this is like the night we got out of hospital. So you know, and they hadn't had children, so I was about to say no. There's definitely a reason why mothers become such good friends with mothers yeah it's so hard to be <laughs> friends with a maiden and explain all this these stuff. things <laughs> i think i put her off kids for life yeah. honestly <laughs> we're not trying to sky you we're just being realistic um and so that when you are going through this especially those that are maidens that are listening they don't you don't realize and you don't realize how many of us have been through this and and we're just giving you a realistic expectation so you and don't knowledge put, is power yeah don't put those unrealistic expectations on yourself i think i i did a lot of research when i was pregnant and it was actually the stuff that i didn't know to research that affected me the most because mm-hmm. that's the stuff that you come as a surprise and like i mean i'm really sorry but I had the perfect pregnancy and I did have that perfect essential oil, no drug birth, but my God, (laughs) nobody had prepared me for postpartum. No. That fourth trimester is never spoken about. And you think, oh, I'm just tired because baby's not asleep. No, you're tired because your whole body is healing and changing. And how often do people talk about the post pains of your your pelvis going back back into place? Yeah. All of that. And, yeah, so knowledge is power, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and we can laugh about it now. And I promise you can laugh about it a year or two after the pregnancy. Yeah. Um, that is probably why most kids are at least two, two years apart. Because you actually forget. <laughs> I'm you not do. joking. I literally forgot, like, everything. Um, and even your parenting, because there is such a huge gap between my children, you forget how to parent a toddler <laughs> and a baby. Like, but no two kids are the same either. No, exactly. Yeah. So, and that's it. The other thing with my second pregnancy, uh, with my second labor, um, I, I got, oh, the, by the way, the first one was nine pound too. So. Yeah. <laughs> so you said watermelon, how big yeah, were yeah, they? Yeah, so she, the first one was nine pound. So the second one, um, I had. We're in Australia. What, how many kilos was she? Oh God, I can't remember. Don't ask me that. I nine pounds, remember. about four kilos. Yeah, about four. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, just over, I think it was just over four kilos to be yeah. honest. Um, so, and then the second baby I had, she was only a seven hour labor, but I was in hospital for two weeks. Um, sorry, a week before I gave birth because I went into preterm labor on New Year's Eve. <laughs> um, we were in Tasmania. That was when the fires were going on. Um, we, were, we had to drive through like the Fingal Valley. I don't know if anyone's from Tassie, but on the East Coast, we had to drive through the, from the East Coast um, through to Launceston. And um, it, again, two and a half hour drive. There was fire everywhere. So they, because of the smoke, they couldn't actually fly me. So I had to yeah. drive in the car. Um, and we had, literally had to drive through the fire on either side of us. And it was, it was crazy. It was crazy yeah. time. So there was a lot going on. Um, then I got there and they're like, again, you're only one, two centimeters, two centimeters. I think I was this time, two centimeters <laughs> dilated. Now they said, cause of where we were located and everything that was going on with the fires, you need to stay in hospital. So I stayed in hospital, um, waiting for this baby to come. Um, 
which if anyone knows my two-year-old now <laughs> you don't tell her what to do she tells you what she's doing and she definitely was not coming she was happy to come but she was definitely not coming right now because yet no one tells her what to do so kaylee's um, aurora is uh born in january and she too is a capricorn so yeah. um that's kaylee's karma oh yeah she's she's, she's <laughs> literally a mini me full of energy full of hyper and full of stubbornness um we're not stubborn we just know what's right exactly exactly <laughs> exactly um so i got to the hospital yep stayed in the hospital um i was literally walking up and down the hospital steps like all day trying to bring on this baby i was doing everything i was bouncing on the balls i was doing the work everything for like, well no that's it that's how the baby starter came on but, <laughs> um, but yeah so i was I was doing everything. Uh, they ended up saying, because of everything that was going on, they had a scan. They're like, this baby is 99 percentile. It's huge. Uh, <laughs> you have no water left. Um, you have this, uh, I can't, did we look up what it was called? Oh, for the itching? Yeah. IPC. No, that's not Intrahepatic right. Yeah, that's. Yeah, that one, the CH1. <laughs> How does anyone say that? Exactly, that's why I always forget the name. Guys, of just look up IPC because neither of us can say, say it. it. Yeah. <laughs> Calastus. So, because of those things, they wanted to bring. I was only 37 weeks when I went into preterm labor with her. So, I was 38 weeks when they decided to. Um, I had the balloon. Yeah. Um, and that didn't work. And then the next day, they put me on the drip. Okay. Um, so, that was at exactly 38 weeks. Um, so I had a seven hour labor with her. The midwives were amazing, especially because I, I, sorry, a little bit of a backstory. I was also in hospital at 35 weeks for two weeks because I had influenza A. Okay. So, um, so the hospital staff at Launceston Hospital, all the midwives knew me. 99% <laughs> of them were amazing. And I have to give a special shout out if she's listening to Zoe, because Zoe was a new midwife. And um, I just got along so well with her and I still consider her a friend to this day. She helped me through such a rough time. Yeah. And um, she wasn't meant to be on the labor ward because she hadn't been trained enough at that time to do so. But, <laughs> but I insisted so much that the other midwives at the time covered her so that she was able to come and yeah. help me give birth. So I actually had... And, and same as the initial midwife. Did she play more a doula role then? And more she, a well, both. She yeah. was both. She was down. She was all up in my business as well. <laughs> um, and the and it was a changeover of shifts. So the original, because I created such a strong bond and such strong friendships with these women while I was in there, the yeah. original one actually stayed overtime without any pay to help me get through wow. as well. And so yeah. I actually had three midwives plus a doctor who was a young doctor and she was amazing too. Um, so there was, everyone. and this was right before the COVID. This is hit, literally in it? January, uh, January. So right before COVID and your partner was in the room. Uh, he was, he was Just there. Just the two of you. Um, so yeah, so that was yep. the only support I had at the time. And we also had my four, 13, then 13 year old in the car park underneath. We, cause we were in Tasmania, we had no support and we had a little fluffy dog that just liked to bark <laughs> the whole time. And so what we did was we parked the car underneath the labor room. So we could actually see my 14, 13, 14 year old in the car with the dog reading yeah. her book. She's a big reader. Um, yeah. so it was, we, we just make it work. If, if there's something, we just make it work. Um, but yeah, so seven hours I was in labor with her. Um, I was 
I said I wanted the epidural um, again with her because I knew I'd had one the first time. I knew how amazing an epidural was uh, for me anyway. I know other women have had bad experience, but for me, I 100%. It wasn't even on the cards for me. Yeah. Due to a I mean. back injury, I wasn't yeah. allowed to get it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but I will hands down 100% every time say, I don't care that big needle that they put in your back. Everyone's scared of the needle. I didn't even feel it because I you're in that much pain. You don't because you're in labor. Yeah. Like. So um, we got to, um, she checked me and I was only like three centimeters dilated. And then I was in the most pain and I'm just like, I need the epidural. I need yeah. it now. I was only three centimeters. I planned on getting to eight centimeters before I had the epidural. Yeah. So I felt like a, I was really felt like a failure in that point because yeah. I had set my mindset on it. Um, by the time the anesthesiologist, anesthesi an blah, 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 the bloke that put the big needle <laughs> in my back, um, by the time he came upstairs, um, I was... The, the contractions weren't coming and going anymore. They were just one continuous. Yeah. Con yeah. So I it was really hard for me to sit still while this huge big needle went in my back. Um, at some point, apparently, I ripped off all my clothes because I was butt naked. Don't even remember that. Oh, that's normal. Um, but yeah, don't remember that. I was, yeah. And, I, and you know what? When you go in there, you're like, I'm going to wear this. Well, yeah, oh, yeah, so you were like me. Yeah, yeah. So I, had the, I had the outfit. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. The music, I had labor music playing. What happened to the music? Um, the clothes were just on the floor. That just yeah. was, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I I was feeling a little bit down on myself because I am my own worst critic. And yeah. I really wanted to, I felt like I wasn't strong because I, I went and had the epidural at only three centimeters. I wanted it at eight centimeters. I just felt really weak. and Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so we got through and um, they gave me the epidural. This was only within, say, half an hour of me saying I want an epidural. And by this stage, I was screaming at the end and I'm like, it's burning, it's burning. And the midwife is like, you can't, it can't be burning. You're only three centimeters. And the doctor said, when did you check her? She said, only half an hour ago. She's like, just check her again. She's like, but I just checked her. She's like, just please check. Let me check her again. So she checked her. She goes, you're crowning. Yeah. <laughs> so within half an hour of me only being three centimeters, I was crowning. So and no thank wonder, God you were oh, two and a half hours away. Yeah. And if I hadn't have, if I hadn't have said I want an epidural now, they wouldn't have given me one. So all that beating myself up, and I. I should have learned to trust my body. My body was telling me I need it now. And, yeah. and I'm so glad I did. Um, so it was ready, time to push. Yeah. So um, pushing again, I don't, it's, it, I sort of, this time around, like the first time around when I first had my, the eldest, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I didn't know how to push. I didn't know any of that. This time around, I knew how to dig deep and push deep. I yeah. knew my body. I felt my body. I Even though I had an epidural, I could still feel those contractions. Yeah. Um, so I knew as soon as that contraction come on, now was the time that I need to really dig deep and put in and, and push hard. Still took me two and a half hours. <laughs> I still had to argue with the doctor because she was getting really worried about how long I was pushing for. They really wanted to put me through for another emergency cesarean. Oh, wow. yep. But I knew my body and I just knew it this time and I had the confidence. And I don't know if that comes from being an older mother or a second time mother. Like yep. I don't know where it came from, but I just knew that I knew that I I could I could do this. Yeah. Um, and and it in felt, an informed mother. Yeah. It makes a huge difference knowing that you have that trust in your body and you've yep. done it once. I can do it again. Yeah. And I just, but I just had that gut feeling. Whereas the first time I was sort of, you know, a little yeah. bit timid. This time I'm like, I can do this. And I, and they had me hooked up to the monitor. I could see that the baby's heartbeat was fine. Everything was fine. So I just knew that I could do this and I could push through. 
Um, I still, I still tour a little bit with her, and I remember, I remember, I feel really bad because they're like, oh, what was your birthing words and all the th in the in the baby word in the baby books? Mine was, please just fucking get it out of me. <laughs> Yeah, that and all the loving things that we write, and trust me, I never wrote that in her actual book. Um, but but be aware that that we 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 may put on little masks when it comes to those moments. When I went to the hospital, because we were down in Bathurst when I went into labour, um, we were living in our camper van, and it was the first oh, I remember. And I'm a planner, so I was anxious as hell. Um, the it was the first time in, I think they had said like over a decade that all three birthing suites were full. Yeah. And I was like, what? Like who has three birthing suites and why are they all full? <laughs> Thinking I'm going to have this kid in the, in the like. Waiting room. Like, like, it wasn't, yeah. yeah, not the waiting room. Like where they check you out and stuff like that yeah. when you're still pregnant. Yeah. And as you're waiting, I could hear and I heard oh, all three yes. women before me and every single woman went through that phase of, I can't do it. I don't want to do it. No more. And then baby would come within a couple of minutes after that, yeah. right? Like, yeah. I think we all kind of forget our power. And yeah, we won't, yeah. Um, won't drag on on that. We'll do another episode on that. Hang on, but the, what the worst bit is, is that when you're laying in bed and you haven't quite got to that stage and then you're hearing someone birth before you and hearing yes. them scream. I was in the bathtub. So, it's like being in the dentist and hearing the person in the dentist screaming before you and knowing you have to go in next. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, and then it all goes silent. I was just thinking of, um, what's that, that pie's... Um, <laughs> when they slit the throat <laughs> and then the one just goes down anyway <laughs> the pie the pie movie um okay so let's get to the nitty gritty yeah um sure. first half of the nitty gritty did you have sex during your pregnancies okay so this was a vastly different for me and this is where i found that my breakdown of my second marriage actually started for me okay so the first one we did the first one um look I am. I have a high sex drive anyway, so hormones, pregnancy. That's quite high for your love languages, isn't it? Yeah, I. Yeah. It is. I. It's um, on par with affirmation. So yeah. touch for me. I have a huge high sex drive. Um, when I'm pregnant, it goes into yes. overdrive. Like I could have it all day, every day. Like it was. It was huge yeah. for me. So. Um, yeah, my first Jaslyn's father, not a problem. He didn't have an issue at all. His. Um, yeah, I, I could have it pretty much whenever I wanted with yep. him. My second, my husband that I was with, as amazing as he was to me pregnant, he wouldn't touch me. Yeah. At all. At all. Did not have um, sex, not once in the whole pregnancy. And that made me feel really, not only unloved, but unattractive. Mm -hmm. um, it really, it gave me a lot of issues in my, and, and that's what I said, my love Absolutely. is so high with, with, with touch that, yeah, it, that was for me was the start of me second guessing my marriage. Yeah. Um, or at least knowing that we had problems in the marriage because yeah, I, not even once. Um, and we had had a bit of issues with sex in our relationship beforehand. So, yeah. and cause it's such a huge part of my, me for a relationship. 
yeah, it was, yeah. Okay, so postpartum, mm -hmm. how long after giving birth after each of the girls did it take you before you guys had coitus again? <laughs> <laughs> so our postpartum um, was, I think, eight weeks, the first one. Oh, uh, which wow. Was, I think recommended, isn't it, 12, eight <sighs> to 12 weeks? It was as soon as I was healed. After, after 12 weeks, so don't... Generally it may, recommend it. It may in have been right. Yeah, it may have been yeah. right on that twelve week mark. I do remember. I just waited till I was healed, and it felt. Yeah, good, guys, it's not. It's just recommendation. You've got to listen to your, to your own body. body. Yeah. But yeah, it was. It was definitely once I was healed. I still had a little bit of self-consciousness after the first time because I did have a scar. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I was a little bit funny about that. Um, but yeah, sort of again, high sex drive. He yeah. had a quite a high sex drive, so yeah. The second one, um, it was months, months before we did it again, and I healed a lot quicker that time. Yeah. Like, I was, four days after giving birth the second time, I did a 10K walk. Wow. Yeah. Yep. So, I felt so much better. Even after bursting my stitches open with the second one, which was quite a funny story. Um, so I, when I was pregnant, I had a issue with my back with the second one. So I'd sit on a exercise ball in the shower and I would just sit there and let the water run on my back. Now I gave birth to Aurora. We didn't have a bath or anything. She much preferred showers. So, um, but it was about five days in, I think five days postpartum, yep. I was sitting in the shower and I decided, I was sitting on my ball because I still had a bad back, I decided to wash Aurora, so all the soap come down over my body and over the ball and I, you have a bit of baby brain, so you weren't really thinking clearly. Next minute, the whole ball shot out <laughs> from underneath I can see that coming. <laughs> and I had, couldn't put my hands down to protect myself because I had the baby in the arm. It's either protect you or the baby. And you always know, as a mum, you always put the baby Oh, first. you don't really get a choice, do you? Instinct just Instinct takes over. Instinct does, yep. So yeah. I just smashed straight down, straight on my stitches, in the middle of the shower. Oh, Great. Gosh. It was fun. Um, and painful. I um, hurt just hearing that. Yeah, so... Um, it's funny to talk about it now, but at the time it really wasn't funny. And anyone that knows me, I'm a really big klutz. Like, I'm really awkward and unco. And so <laughs> it, it would only happen to me. Like, yeah. Um, but even with all that that's happened, I still found postpartum so much easier the so second how, time. So how big was Aurora then? Oh, sorry. Aurora was over 10 pounds. So she was bigger than Jasmine. She was bigger than Jasmine. Okay. Yeah. She and she was thirty eight weeks pregnant. Uh, thirty eight weeks born. So she was actually two weeks off full term. Yeah. So if I had gone to full term, I think I'd be looking about two 12. weeks off of her due yeah. date. Yeah. So I'd be looking around twelve pounds. So wow. Yeah. Super um, mum. No. <laughs> Super mum. That takes one hell of a woman. Um. <laughs> so yeah. So but with Ben getting back to the sex thing. Um. I so yeah my ex um we it would have been probably about six months yep. before we had sex again um that wasn't because of me and my body or myself that was because he just wasn't interested yeah and um yeah I found that really hard um so all up after Aurora was born and before the breakdown of the marriage I think we had only had sex three times yeah two years wow yeah so and, yeah and, and for that to be your love language that's a big it was huge miscommunication isn't huge. it yeah and it doesn't make you feel 
the best either when your body has changed so much you've put on a lot of weight things have gone south further than what they were before <laughs> um and it really it's not good for your ego or yeah your yeah. self-esteem the reason i love to ask women this question is because exactly what i was saying there's recommendations that you can have sex after and i remember getting a little bit of pressure from my partner um you know, we're good to go, you know, like we, we've made it through the recommended 12 weeks, but it's not just the physical things that need healing. They are purely recommendations, the psychological stuff that you go through. And I repeat, if you've torn or anything, just don't look for a while, let yourself heal or at least yeah. look with love and like, don't judge if anything's changed. Yeah. Um, because for me, I was so self-conscious that I didn't want to be seen. I think we waited, we waited four months, but the only reason that we had sex at four months was because I felt so guilty Yeah. that my husband didn't feel loved because in our maiden lives as his, I, I actually don't know what the male version is, bachelor um, and my maiden, physical touch was a huge part of our love language and yeah. as I mentioned in my previous episode your love language changes and ebbs and flows with the seasons of your life mm -hmm. um, and it was no longer a priority in my love language and one thing that we talk about as well is being touched out mm. like you get so touched out from your kids and stuff that at the end of the day you don't you just want some space you yeah. know you want to shower on your own or um so yeah, I love asking that question because often we're our worst critics and it's more the psychological factor that women have to get over because we start to feel guilty yep. that we owe it to our partner. Like, we're oh, we're past that 12 weeks. Like, should we be having our other mums having sex now? Like, yep. oh, my God, am I a bad wife? Am I a bad mum? Am I – yeah, and speaking, goes on. And speaking to a lot of the other mums, um, because this question comes up quite a bit in our group that we have – I'm one of the rare ones that do have that really high sex drive. Yeah. A lot of them do exactly what you say, um, have that guilt, have that don't want to be touched. I yeah. am like, so don't, yeah, if you are different and you are, everyone is different. Every single person is different. Everyone speaks a different love language. So I will talk about it in another episode as well, just about how touching out can change your relationship and the way to help this. So like methods such as just, having boundaries and setting proper support networks with family, friends, and particularly your partner. If you know, often we face exhaustion and burnout. Mm -hmm. So we're touched out at the end of the day and then sex becomes like another duty, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. so if we could find ways that we feel supported in other areas to save that energy, but yeah, I'll talk about that in the future, especially with, if their love language is different, like you said, um, what's the other one? Um, not affirmation, not touch. Acts of service. Acts of service. Yeah. So that one's huge there. for a new mum. Yeah. Huge. Whereas, whereas, like I said, I'm one of the rare ones that have yeah. the affirmation and, and, and physical touch is mine. Acts of service and quality time is another one that was quite high on all of our friendship yeah. with our girls. Absolutely. Whereas for me, it's 9%. Yeah. I don't, I, yeah. <laughs> I'm in a different situation though. So. Okay. So if we just go, let's just focus on. Aurora for a moment because yep. that's the stage that you're in now. deepest yep. at the moment. Jaslyn being quite independent and older um, does care for herself quite a lot. She doesn't yep. require as much 
attention at no, the moment. No. Um, here's the question that all mums don't want to talk about because uh -huh. of the guilt. Yeah. Did was your child a good napper? Oh God, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, everyone that knows me, this is one of the biggest issues I've had with Aurora. Sleep. Sleep. Okay. So um, she was a booby girl. Um, like everyone, <laughs> I had the biggest issue trying to get her off boobs um it, and it's all the time and even now going to sleep she's been off i i weaned her in the end of november started december i yep. had to go through um i had to go away for work and so i thank god because i knew you were struggling with it for uh, quite a while time, big yep. time um so i had to go away. so she had we had no other choice like i had to go away and um so that was we decided to wean her then um me so my um ex-husband had her for two weeks and um that was the best time because mummy's not here so it, it was a lot easier than us giving in yeah but she still co-sleeps with me <laughs> and i don't mean she sleeps in the same bed or in the uh, even like some people say co-sleeping they sleep as a side co-sleeper no no this kid sleeps on top of me on top of me now she goes to sleep like even trying to get her to sleep i try and put her down at 7 7 30 by 9 30 most nights she's still awake um and i mean tantrums and um like she it is the hardest part for me yeah um and yeah when she finally does go to sleep if i put her in her own bed she'll wake within the hour and be back in my bed um I can sometimes stretch it out for a couple of hours, but you can guarantee that by midnight she is back in my bed again. So sometimes it's just easier and I just let her sleep in my bed. Um, but she doesn't just sleep on her side of the bed. She literally sleeps upside down, kicking me in the face, <laughs> on top of me, but she has to the have... The memes are true. Oh, you've got no idea. She literally has to have a part her, of her body touching me. Like, her love language is it's touch. 99%, yeah. like, <laughs> touch. I'm so proud of all the mums, like, in our group, especially since I brought love language in and put such a focus on it because everyone's starting to understand. really focus and understand on how our kids are different and their love language. Yeah, <laughs> so mine's, like, 99% touch her love language yeah <laughs> but it's i've also like i struggle with um sleep so i'm not getting that i would kill for eight hours of just just sleep because even on the days that her father does take her and i do get a break my body wakes itself up because yeah. it's so used to being woken up like yeah. i just can't yeah i would kill for eight hours again anyone that's not a mum that's listening to this enjoy your sleep yeah enjoy it <laughs> especially in the first 12 weeks oh. where they do actually sleep Quite well, uh, quite a lot. Who? What? Yeah, I never did. Did you say <laughs> yours? What? When they're newborn. Okay, maybe the first week. Okay, I will say that. So my and this is the difference between my two children is that my eldest came home, went to bed at seven o'clock, and didn't wake up until seven o'clock the next. Yeah. I would get at least twelve to fourteen hours every day <laughs> since she was born. She slept in her own bed from the age of about one and a half. Yeah. Like um, instead of the cot, she loves her sleep i've never had an issue with she'd just say good night and go to sleep like and yeah. she'd read a book and she would just yeah i <laughs> never had any of these problems so i thought i was the world's best mum after the first one like she was just such an angel she's anyone that's met her she's so polite she's a straight a student she um she's the perfect daughter she really, she really is. is she she is just amazing so of course i thought i was doing such a good job as a mum 
and then Aurora come along and Aurora's like, ha, you don't know anything about parenting. <laughs> what are you talking about? Okay. So the number one debate, mm-hmm. um, you might have different experiences for each child. Mm-hmm. Stay at home mum or working mum? Or both? Uh, well, <laughs> I try to do both. I explain what that looks like. Okay, so for me, um, maybe just focus on this one now. This one now, yeah. yeah. Well, for me, I still have Aurora quite a lot. I'm still a stay-at-home mum, but I also have two casual jobs. So one of them being um, a teacher's aide. So I'm casually at the school, which is a lot of um, calling in, and there's no set time when they need help. When they need help, yeah. The second one is I'm an auxiliary firefighter, so I'm on call. 24 7 yeah so when that pager goes off you've got to drop everything and you've got to be at that station ready to hop in that truck so for me that can be quite challenging because being a single mum and being in that position um you know you, you literally, rely on your support a lot don't you? i do i do yeah. and in particular my brother my brother is my little brother is amazing he's such a big help and without him i don't think i would have been able to do any of this yeah um so what happens at the moment is um she goes to daycare during the day um yeah. and i get a lot of study and whatnot done which is huge um she goes monday thursday so four days a week um if i have her during the day um I will quickly throw her in the car. Um, my brother lives a street from the fire station, so yep. I'll literally drop her off. On the way. Yeah, so um, yeah. I ring him on the way. He's, I'm like, right, we, yep. So we literally have to do a, like a drop, tuck and roll out the car. <laughs> and so then, yeah. This, this might affect you differently then. So did you have any guilt about this decision? Not really, because you're kind of not living the best of both worlds, but you're doing it all already, aren't you? Yeah. Um, I know a lot of mums struggle with their decision to be a stay-at-home mum. They're not contributing yeah. to household. Or a working mum, you're dropping your kid off to someone else to look after. Yeah. You're not there as much. Yeah. So, so I... You do kind of have it figured out. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't. Yeah. Because I actually much prefer to be a work mum. Yeah. Because I've done both. And I can tell you right now... Well, hang on. I'll take that back. Working mums have a lot on their plate um but i just like the break of going to work (laughs) my child is very full-on um and i've never been one to sit idle at home but that's not to say that stay-at-home mums sit idle at home because they have so much on their plate and I've done both. And Did I you hear both. that? She just said going to work is the break. Oh, yeah. 100%. <laughs> but, but it also depends on what restrictions you put on yourself too. Yeah. Because if you are a, a mum and a full-time mum and a full-time employee... You cannot expect your no. house to be a hundred percent. You cannot expect you cannot expect to have a social life. You cannot expect to exercise, and you cannot expect to look a hundred percent prim and proper when you go out. You need to give up some of those things because you're not going to get it all done. Yeah. And, it's and impossible to expect women to be able to it do is. it all, isn't and, it? And society, especially with things like Instagram and things like that, which I <laughs> love Instagram. Anyone that knows me loves it. But I deliberately keep my Instagram so that it's real yes. because so many people put these fake things on Instagram, they make it so that it's so perfect. And then we put unrealistic expectations on ourselves that we have to be perfect like that. And as mums, we have to be that. Absolutely. Do yourself a favor when you're pregnant, mummers. Go and unfollow every mum that appears to be perfect Uh and put together. Uh Uh-huh. 
and um and unfollow <laughs> hashtag yummy mummy unless it's yummy mummy that has like the everything going on and the and the rolls and the cellulite and everything if they look 100 percent prim and proper and perfect and with their perfect hair and their perfect house and that please note that that is not normal <laughs> we don't look like that absolutely <laughs> we might look like that one day one day yeah <laughs> for the photos right exactly exactly and what you don't see is we actually took a um a group photo of our kids on a daycare uh oh sorry at play group and um i actually hashtagged it as um insta versus reality because all you'll see is that one photo of all the kids looking amazing but in reality there was like no joke about 15 photos of our kids just having meltdowns <laughs> <laughs> because they, yeah no, that's not real unfollow them all yeah. But shout out to my girl Tammy TMB. If you I are gonna her. be a mum, yeah, I follow her. Follow her. She she's absolutely beautiful inside and out. And if you're struggling with anything, she actually will sit down and reply to you as well. Um, but she is oh as real as it gets, yeah. and it is refreshing when you're a mum. So that's funny. I did kids know that we fight. Both, I didn't did know you know that, that kids fight? It's not <laughs> perfect, and they don't wear matching outfits all the time. <laughs> okay, so after. Like when you did decide to return to work, mm -hmm. um, how far postpartum were you? And was that really a choice or was it a financial need or a dream or what well, like, triggered that? Um, for me, it was a lot of all of it. So yeah. um, for Fireys, um, I had always wanted to do that. That was a dream. So, mm -hmm. um, and I just happened to see someone that is in Fireys in, um, while well, he was paying for petrol one night and he's like, you really should come and do this, yep. you know, and it's sort of, um, and for me this year, I sort of had like, an. I wanted to, I had a, I really wanted to start fresh and face a lot of my fears and doubts that I had. And yeah, so it's really been a big awakening for me this year with that. And, um, doing firefighting has really helped me with a lot of those, um, especially like heights and things that anyone that knows me knows I was petrified of heights. So now I'm like, <laughs> yesterday I was on top of the ladder, like one foot. And, and you've got a, there's a course coming up as well, which you're saying like, I'm petrified of heights. Yeah. I'm going to do this course. And I love that about you. Yeah. Yeah. Love definitely. it. Okay. So we are running out of time, Yeah. but I want to throw some rapid fire questions at you. Cool. So just Go for it. quick answers. Sure. Um, and hopefully we can support other mamas listening and give, get some great advice actually. So let's start with that one. What is the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Uh, there's a few, but <laughs> I'm going to, because this is mostly related to birthing and mothers. Uh -huh. Take what, everyone wants to give you advice. Take yes. what you need, throw everything else out because that's yeah. it. Everyone has different opinions. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. What is the worst piece of advice you've ever been given? Oh God. Oh, shoot. Um, I don't know on that one. I'm going to pass that one. I don't know. You're going to pass. Okay. I'm pass. I'll come back to it. We'll come back at the end. What is one toxic trait or bad habit you're currently working on? Overthinking. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone that knows me knows I overthink everything. So definitely overthinking. I'm actually surprised that that's like, well, I'm not because I know that you're working on that one as well. But big shout out to you as well because I know you're working on your screen time and yeah. your social media time as well, yeah. which is huge as, um, especially as a mother and stuff, like it is the number one robber of your time. It is. And you don't even realize you go on there to look up a recipe or something and the next minute you're scrolling on Facebook and you're like, and you realize, and you're like, how did I even get on here? 
Okay, and um, is there one book that's changed your life that you would gift to our listeners if you could? Okay, so um, this one, I'm not sure that I would gift it, but it was one that I read when I was really young and um, I had a quite a turbulent upbringing. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the book is Go Ask Alice. Yeah. And so anyone that doesn't know the book, it's basically um, a young girl that um, she ended up, it starts with her writing in a diary and she ends up going through and um, long short story short, she becomes a heroin addict. And it's actually, this is an actual proper, like real, real story of, mm-hmm. of someone. And, um, parts of the book, um, is actually written on like shopping bags and things like that. So she would use everything. Yeah. Now, um, my parents had substance, um, problems growing up and I read that book at 13. I might've even been 12, uh, like very, very young yeah. age, but it helped me give a perspective from that other side that, you know, help me sort of look at it from a different perspective. perspective yeah. yeah, absolutely. Wow, what a unique book to to mention. Um, okay, and last question: What is one thing that you're grateful for today? Oh, I'm grateful for everything. I'm grateful for life. Life is short. <laughs> um, you don't know what's around the next corner, and. I think we need to show gratitude to everything and everyone in our life to really be grateful of life. So, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for everything. And my friends because <laughs> she's sitting across from me and I love her so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today. This is my first interview, so um, it took a bit for us to get started between the nerves. But I um, wasn't nervous. I no, talked. Me, my, <laughs> anyone that knows me knows I talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. So I was fine. We were just sitting here having a cuppa and I was like, I wish the microphone was on right now. So what a way to jump into it. I'm well, anyone that, yeah, but I'm very, very, very big and very colourful and very out there and loud. So I think if you were to interview anyone, it should have been me. I, I really do think that when we have the girls over for a couple, we might just start turning on the microphone. <laughs> oh, no, don't do that to me. Once, once I've learned how to edit, because we, we actually um, record at the moment from start to finish, and that is why sometimes I'm just like, Oh, like you were just mentioning before when my Siri went off and um, (laughs) (laughs) um, when my Siri went off in one of the episodes and I just get to the point where I'm just like, no, it's all or nothing. It's in. It's raw. That's what it is. It's raw, unedited material. This is honest. What you see is what you get. (laughs) Absolutely. Which is very much our friendship too. Well, that's what I pride myself on because you can't have an ingenuine friendship. It means that it doesn't allow space for you to be your most genuine self so exactly and you gotta preach i mean you gotta <laughs> practice what you preach exactly <laughs> no, ma- no masks around us Beautiful. well thank you so much for joining me thank and you. um yeah hopefully we'll have you back on the show sometime <laughs> <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see how this plays out <laughs> thank you thank you Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I had an absolute blast. I hope that you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed sharing with you and that you find an abundance of love and wisdom in each of my podcast episodes. I am so grateful for you allowing me into your journey and for joining me in this incredible rite of passage. I see you and how hard you're working to heal your wounds and give our children the most nourishing start possible by showing up here with me each and every week. 
Each week, I'm excited to share with you interviews with everyday mamas, just like you and me, thought leaders from across the globe and loading you up with delicious food for thought. In this podcast, we are going to arm you and your support network or tribe with the tools and knowledge to support you through your maiden to mother journey. Don't forget, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at The Holistic Pioneer, where each week I share a shadow work journal or thought prompt, ask questions about your maiden to mother journey and share all kinds of goodness to support you on your way. If you loved today's episode, I would be so grateful if you had a moment to leave a review on the latest podcast image on my Instagram and to share my podcast with your tribe so that we can reach all of the beautiful women and parents. Remember, this isn't just a podcast, it's a community, your village. We are going to celebrate that rite of passage together. Thank you again for listening. Until next time, <laughs> namaste. Ooh.